Shri Guru Vaishnava Guru Parampara Ki Jai Go Bhakti Vrinda Ki Jai Go Premanandi Any question tonight? Yes. Um, I want to read a Matthuna Thakur's uh, commentary to Upadeshamrita, text one. To what? Upadeshamrita? He says, uh, The purport of this verse is that lust, anger, greed, illusion, intoxication, envy, and other irritations always arise within the mind and thus attract the mind toward material sense objects. Thus agitated, the cultivation of Shuddha Bhakti is not possible. The attempt to restrain these six urges does not constitute Bhakti Sadhana, Rather, it is a staircase to ascend to the platform of eligibility through which one may enter the temple of bhakti. What he's saying there is that, as I said earlier today, we were discussing, there's bhakti um, in practice, and then there's bhakti. In other words, sadhana bhakti is bhakti in practice, and bhava bhakti is you've attained bhakti, because the definition of bhakti given by Rupa Goswami includes uh, the verb shilanam, and it has two senses. Um, um, One activity and one inactivity, if you will. One active outer life and the other inner emotional life. So in sadhana bhakti, the emotive aspect of bhakti has not yet uh, um, manifest in the sadhaka. In bhava bhakti, the reason that bhava bhakti is, is considered a per, the perfection of sadhana bhakti is that both aspects of bhakti are manifest in the devotee. Still, there's a cultivation ongoing in bhava bhakti to attain prem bhakti. That said, nonetheless, because also prem or bhav, excuse me, is a, is a, is compared to a ray of the sun of prema. Um, it is considered bhakti proper, and the goal of sadhana bhakti, the very definition of sadhana bhakti given by Rupa Goswami, includes the 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 this fact that uh, it's. Uh, practicing bhakti with the senses with a view to attain um, bhava. So, um, in that sense, until one has attained bhava bhakti, they are not, so to speak, like a devotee in the full sense of the term. Bhakti hasn't fully manifest in them, at least in terms of these two aspects of bhakti. Still, in bhava bhakti, as I said, there's more to manifest as well, but it would be um, that. So that's one thing. Um, therefore, again, sadhana bhakti is something like bhakti in apprenticeship, and um, in bhava bhakti, then you're uh, uh, have uh, perfected that training, if you will. Hmm? And in bhava bhakti, this, the the sambanda is. Uh, not only theoretically in place, but in terms of realization. Therefore, in Baba Bhakti, one's ongoing culture and practice is um, fully informed. As much as uh, Samanda Gyan is, a, as I talk about it, a conceptual orientation, if you have a conceptual orientation towards Bhakti, and then that it's your faith, then it's going to give rise to the action, the, the, the Abhideya, that is bhakti, that will result in the fruit, the prayogen, uh, of love of God, of prem. So, uh, in sadhana bhakti, our practice is informed to different degrees by a theoretical understanding of the practice and, of course, the corresponding experience that we get. Um, but in bhava bhakti, it's fully informed. Now one's practicing and with um, 
experiential insight into the uh, deep experiential, experiential insight into the goal, which is the maturation of the stai bhav that is now in the, in the, in the bhavankur, the sprouting stage. So as you enter bhava bhakti, the stai bhav, it means, has sprouted. Doesn't now if a, if a, if a, if the sea if the if the if the uh, bhava bhakti sprouts, we know through the analogy there's something that happens before that as well. I've often given an example: underground the seed starts to germinate, roots go down, and so on and so forth. So you could compare the sadhana bhakti to bhava bhakti in that way, invisibly, if you will, within something's taking place, roots are going down, the seed is germinating, and so forth. In in Baba Bhakti, it is sprouting, and in Prem Bhakti, it's it, it, it flowers, and, and in Prem Bhakti, it, it bears the fruit. Hmm? So there, the the difference between Prem Bhakti and Baba Bhakti is the maturation of the Stai Bhav. That's why um, the Stai Bhav is sometimes referred to as Prem. The word Rati even is sometimes. Uh, used in, synonymously with rasa, and sometimes it's used as with referring to the sprouting only of the, of the stayibhav that isn't mature, isn't, isn't yet uh, combined with the other ingredients, emotional uh, ecstatic ingredients that uh, enable the stayibhav to attain the exalted status of Rasa. So, Sakyarati, for example, can refer to the uh, bhavankur, the sprout of the of bhakti uh, of Sakyarasa. It can also refer to Sakyarasa, hmm? but there's a difference between Sakyarasa and Sakyarati when Rati is being referred to only as the sprouting of the seed or to the beginning stage of bhava bhakti. So, again, there's prema bhakti, there's bhava bhakti, there's sadhana bhakti. So, in a sense, bhakti, you know, Thakur is talking about the full face of bhakti in bhava bhakti being, uh, uh, having attained. Now, uh, he also says that controlling the senses, first verse of Upadashamrita, is, uh, Rupa Goswami states, Vacho Vegam, Manasa Krota Vegam, Jiva Vegam, Udurapasta Vegam, Etan Vegan, Yoga Sahita Dhira, Sarvam Apimam Pritivim Sasishat. One who has controlled the, the, the Vegas, the urges, uh, Vacho Vegam, the urge to speak, uh, Manasa Vegam, Krota Vegam, the, the urge to, uh, the urges of the mind and anger, Vacho Vegam Manasakrota Vegam Jiva Vegam Jiva means to, the urge to taste uh, the tongue Jiva Vegam Vegam the urges of the belly of the genitals it's a way of speaking about sense control hmm? um, that person is Sarvam Pritimim Sarvam Pritimim Sasishat hmm? That person, she can, is the guru of the world. Hmm. The whole shisha. Everyone in the world becomes his, her sisha. Hmm. Prithivim means the earth. The whole, so it means people are ruled by these urges. One who conquers over them hmm, is in a fit position to um, be the teacher. And of course, if we look at Rupa Goswami's book, he's speaking about arriving at that through uh, the, the culture of bhakti. Hmm? So in the context of bhakti, these things come about. Hmm? These are a, a secondary result. The primary result of bhakti is bhava and prem. The secondary result is well, negativity is removed, and this could be understood as being under the control of these urges. So having control of these urges unto itself doesn't constitute bhakti, and 
trying to control the senses in other ways. There, there are other methods. Yoga is a sophisticated method um, to control these urges. And jnana um, is a method. You keep pouring knowledge in. They study the scriptures over and over again. And they fortify and spiritualize the intelligence in this way. And, in the, and, and they do uh, dhyan, maybe even meditation on the, the bhakyas, the sounds of the Upanishads, hambramasmi, what is the implication, and so forth. This is their method. Yoga is, of course, we know with postures, asanas, control of the breath, and so forth. These are methods for controlling this, these, these urges. Hmm? They aren't bhakti to do that. Hmm? Um, Rupa Goswami has not described controlling the senses as an anga of bhakti, but it does come about through sadhana bhakti, which is a yoga, if you will. Yoga, of course, is, is, classically speaking, yoga is the, very slightly, a different philosophy from Sankhya very slightly, and largely it is a method by which the ideal of the Sankhya philosophy, which is to distinguish the Purusha, which is the term used there for the Atma, from Prakriti, from from matter, hmm, is achieved through this yoga practice. Hmm. Um, And because this... Uh, yoga given in the sutras of uh, Patanjali is so much uh, a focus on practice. It's practical. Hmm? Uh, this uh, it it is, and it's kind of it's kind of adapted by Sankhya as the method, if you will. Hmm? So it, it, it point being, it lends itself to adaptation. So therefore, the jnanis have yoga, the karmis have yoga, the, 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 the nishkam, karma yoga, there's jnana yoga, there's this yoga, there's yat yoga. Bhakti can also be called a yoga, but of course it should be noted at the end of the sixth chapter where Krishna's gone through the basic systems of yoga. He's gone through karma yoga, he's gone through jnana yoga, he's gone through um, astanga yoga, and at the end he says, huh, better than a, uh, what does he say, better than a tapasvi is a, is a yogi. And, um, I think he has, he has something before, better than the karmi is a tapasvi, I don't know, I forget, forgive me, but Krishna. Better than, better than, a, than, a, than anyway, better than a yogi is a devotee, or the best kind of yoga is devotion. Uh, what is the last verse of the sixth chapter? Um, hmm? Pardon me? Yoginam apisarvesham madgate nantaratmanam shadhavan bhajate jomam sāme yuktatamomata One who has abiding faith in me, shadhavan, hmm? filled with faith hmm? um, and, and devotion to me, he is yoginam api sarvesham. Amongst all the yogis, sarvesham, he's the best. And the commentators have noted that really bhakti is being, while being in one sense described as the best yoga, it is at the same time being distinguished from yoga altogether. A path unto itself. They do this by looking at the grammar. Hmm? Um, and, uh, and it, of course, it is entirely a descending path. We make effort, as I said, in bhakti to get grace. Effort, it's not effort-based. It's really grace-based. And then we respond to the grace that is our our effort, if you will, it's a descending path rather than an ascending path. Karma yoga, Gyan yoga, Ashtanga yoga, they're all ascending paths. They're all reliant hmm, 
on the faculties that we have, as if they had currency uh, to purchase real estate in a land beyond their jurisdiction. (laughs) Intellect, mind, senses, physical, mental, intellectual power, these are all products of of this world. They do not have um, the power, purchasing power, in a land beyond themselves, beyond the gunas. These yogas are all within the gunas. Karma yoga is within the rajaguna. Gyan yoga is within uh, sattva guna. Bhakti is nirguna. Right? So it's different. And it's a descending path. So from the nirguna, something comes. So what happens when we get harinam? Uh, for example, uh, chanting the holy name, this is, uh, this is bhakti. Hmm? So we're blessed to chant the holy name. We do that, we're doing, we're doing bhakti. Hmm? Now, we're not fully developed in bhakti. Our goal in bhakti is only secondarily that we control the urges and so forth. In one sense, we don't control the urges. Um, we, we use them fully. Hmm? Uh, if you want to have a hundred children, you can have a hundred children. Uh, you can eat as much as you can digest, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, foods offered to Krishna, if, 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 you, if, you, if you want to try to make your children into devotees, and so forth. And, and there are generations of lineages like that, of course, of families of devotees, and so forth. Just to give an example of Udarapasta, control the tongue, the belly, and the genital there. Um, so, in one sense, we use them fully. So, he's saying that these things under themselves, controlling the senses, don't constitute bhakti, but they are a byproduct of bhakti. And as they, um, th- that is accomplished in the context of bhakti, then being freed from them, uh, and the implication would be freed from the gunas, their influence, and so on and so forth. Well, then one is in a position to take advantage of the liberated nature of bhakti, because bhakti doesn't end with liberation. It's a post-liberation, liberated uh, uh, yoga. And so that's its position. And as such, it has the power to come here. From this side, you don't have the power to go there. But from that side, the power to come here is is uh, within the capacity of, of bhakti. And so by coming here, we become, uh, and, and being in touch with her, we, she qualifies us, hmm? even at a lower level. Hmm? So, uh, uh, yeah, controlling the senses and the urges, this, this might be the, just like an artha nivritti, um, um, uh, removing the negative. This is the end of um, gyan, the end of uh, of of, uh, of of yoga, but it's not the end of bhakti. In bhakti, are those paths, if they have any spiritual uh, credibility, gyan, yoga, aimed as much as they are on controlling the, 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 the urges, um, is someone not a jnani who's working in that path to control the senses, someone not a yogi who's working there, they may be a, not a fully a full yogi <laughs> in a sense, but they're doing yoga and, that, and that's the means to, uh, to, to uh, uh, accomplish that. Um, so similarly there's yoga, there's bhakti in, in practice and it accomplishes that as a byproduct. So it's kind of a, it's, he's kind of saying that, that having accomplished that, and this would be, of course, in the context of bhakti, which the book is about, one has passed through the threshold, so to speak. And after all, bhakti is a liberated yoga, so it really, again, picks up at, at liberation and makes liberation small. So if you're not liberated, then you could say, well, you're not fully experiencing the full 
measure of what bhakti is. Hmm? But that doesn't mean you're not experiencing any measure of it. And what measure you are experiencing and taking part in is giving you the power to accomplish things that are uh, that are pursued in other paths with greater effort in a less, I would say, user-friendly sense and which results in that alone. Hmm? It's not the doorway to the whole uh, uh, world of uh, spiritual experience and uh, transcendental uh, emotion. So... Um, I think that's how to understand um, what, what he's saying there. Um, you have to start uh, somewhere. And the power of bhakti, it comes to very uncontrolled people. Even There are many examples of animals and hunters and, and so forth and, and so on. And it's by the strength, really, Hunter Bhargari, we got the Ram Nam, I think it was, from, from Narada, and he, he became a gentle person as a, as a result of that. And, uh, and of course, m- more. So the byproduct of bhakti is not bhakti unto itself. Uh, what to speak of controlling the senses, liberation is a byproduct. So you, 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 if you say, well, gee, if you're liberated, then you're a bhakta. No. Hmm? That's just a byproduct of bhakti. <laughs> so, hmm. yeah. and, and being liberated doesn't qualify you to do bhakti. That's pretty interesting. What greater qualification could you have? I'm a liberated soul, but still, you don't, doesn't mean you have qualification for bhakti. Hmm? It's fertile soil hmm? for bhakti to, uh, to, to 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 fall on, because there's nothing to be removed. Hmm? So bhakti has manifests in the devotee, and then it depends where that devotee's at in terms of the influence of the gunas and so forth, how her work will manifest. You go into a, a pure heart, then you don't have to purify it. Still, there's, bhakti is more than a pure heart. Hmm? The, the Brahman was, lived a pure lifestyle. He drank only milk. Mahaprabhu laughed when he said that, thought he was therefore qualified to enter his kirtan. <laughs> he said, that's a joke. You think you can enter my kirtan just by... By leading a, a a pure life, if you will, was the implication. Oh, sorry, eating only, uh, eating, living only on milk. Hmm. No, and what is the qualification for bhakti? Hmm. Yes, and where do we get it? From sadhusanga, right? Oh. And and what is the cause of that? There's no cause beyond itself. Sadhu Sangha is a, is, is a form of bhakti. So if you come in touch with it, satam prasanga mamavir sambhido bhavanti vitkarna rasayana kata tad joshanat ashpavabhargavartmani shradha anukram rati. It means satam prasanga mamavir sambhido. In the sangha, of the sat- satam, truthful people. It's a, sometimes used as a uh, synonym for devotee, the honest, the thoroughly honest. Satam prasanga. What happens? Mamavirya sambhido. What happens there is, Krishna speaking, my virya, my glories, are always being discussed. Katatam, uh, satatam kirtayantam, katantas, katayantas, jamam nityam tushanticharamanti. That's what they do. They talk about me. Satam prasanga mamaviri sambhido sambhido babanti hritkarna rasayana kata. So if you come in that association, then babanti hritkarna, your ear will, in your ear, will pour the rasayana, bhakti rasayana. Rasayana is, 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 is an Ayurvedic. Uh, uh, term, and it's not a as much of a medicine as it is. It's it's like a it's like it has a positive connotation. Hmm? It's a rejuvenator. Hmm? Uh, 
it, it doesn't that doesn't particularly do away with something. It gives something, something like that. So in the same way, this word is used. So hritkarna rasayana. So this this what they're talking about. This elixir, rejuvenating, goes into the ear. Bhavanti hritkarna rasayana katha tadjoshan ashpapavarga vartmani. Shradharati bhakti manukramishati. And then they, they, this is how they embark upon the path, the, the bhartma, the path, beginning with shraddha, anukram, kram means step, and then step by step, turati. So, tadjoshanarashbhavarga bhartmani shraddha, rati bhaktim anukram, anukramishati. So step by step, they, after hearing that, getting that elixir, they go from shraddha. It means you know, through the different steps: shraddha, sadhusanga, bhajana kriya, anartanavritti, nishta, ruchi, asakti, rati, or bhava, hmm? and on to prema. Is the idea. So, yes, it begins by sadhusang, which itself is bhakti. Therefore, only bhakti gives bhakti. Hmm? There's nothing we can do to qualify ourselves to receive bhakti. There's no method of purifying ourselves that's more powerful than bhakti. So to think that we should do something over here to purify ourselves so that we'll become qualified for for bhakti is to ignore the purifying power of bhakti. Mm. Of course, now if you don't have faith in uttam bhakti, then you may need some. Then you're you're and you're doing mixed bhakti, karma mishra bhakti, gyan mishra bhakti, which have different goals, if you will, than uttam bhakti. Mm. Um, you could say, in a higher sense, gyan mishra bhakti can result in higher stages of bhakti rasa by by sadhu sangha but typically you know shanta rasa is, which is a rasa that we don't emphasize much it's barely so something like that uh, and it could change by sadhu sangha of dasi rasa or sakya rasa whereas the other stais they can't change once they've been attained hmm? So, uh, so the power uh, and efficacy and ease and, uh, of bhakti, um, and, and so with regard to controlling the senses, which isn't bhakti in itself, nonetheless, it is it is a, it is, a, it is a result coming from bhakti, and um, a desired result. But again, uh, I was saying, but but. Uh, Liberation even doesn't qualify us for bhakti. Hmm. Yeah. I to speak of any, any other qualification. Drinking only milk, celibacy, controlled mind. Uh, that doesn't mean to say, again, that, that persons with certain qualities and uh, bhakti may land on dry grass and, and burn faster. Hmm. That's less, less work to do, so to speak. Hmm. But uh, to to you know, this was the discussion earlier. You think we do something else to get purified, and then then we'll be qualified for bhakti. Um, that's not the teaching. It's very clearly the teaching is faith. Now, how a teacher, a guru in bhakti, will uh, determine when to initiate somebody—that's a whole other, you know, that's another thing. Really, initiation begins when we are hearing and following the teacher, even before the mantra is imparted. Because if I impart the mantra and you don't follow, <laughs> then what's the initiation? It's the beginning of doing something. Hmm? So if I impart the mantra and you don't do anything with it, then what's the meaning of initiation? If you don't have the mantra but you're following, then you're more initiated than in that sense in a dynamic sense. So, yeah, this is a carryover of the discussion we were having earlier that just for our audience that, that someone had has proposed, and I've seen it at times, that 
unless you're liberated, you can, you're not doing uttam bhakti. No, there's uttam bhakti of the sadhana type, there's uttam bhakti of the bhava type, uttam bhakti of the prem type. And what is uttam bhakti? It's, a, it's described by Rupa Goswami. It, it is this ideal. It's not that what he's describing is an ideal that you have to have attained in order to do it. Hmm? You have an ideal. You may be one place, but you have an ideal to go to another place. And that's how you begin to go there, by the ideal. And then you cherish the ideal and you harbor that ideal. Hmm? You may get distracted along the way, but, but, and the road may have turns, and, but this is your goal. That's why Prabhupada sometimes would say, all my disciples are pure devotees. Hmm? There's different ways you can use He said, Shuddha Bhakti. Hmm. Uh, in Bhakti Tattvivek, Bhakti Vinotakri uses the term Shuddha Bhakti in reference to Ruchi Bhaktas, who are sadhakas. They've attained Ruchi, which Mahaprabhu characterized how? Yeah, but there's a, that's, but there's a whole verse about it. It's, it's getting something from the other side, right? But what does he say about ruchi bhakti? How does Mahaprabhu in his shikshastakam define ruchi? Nadanam, najanam, nasundarim, kavitam, va, jagadishakam. It's not this. It's not, he doesn't have any worldly uh, desire. And mama janmani janmanishvare, babatad bhakti. He has only desire for bhakti, ahaituki bhakti, no other motive. This is this is speaking about attainment. He has, she has no other motive. Hmm? So prior to that, there are motives, there are other attractions, uh, and so forth. In nishta, they're there, but they're in seed form. But the, the bhakti is so consistent. It's like pouring water on seeds constantly. They can't germinate. They're flooded out. Hmm? Um, and so they're, they're kind of held off at the pass. In Ruchi, they're, they're done. Hmm? Um, and now this desire for bhakti, which, has, which is specific, hmm, is manifesting in the heart. So he, and you can see how he uses the term there, shuddha bhakti. His, his devotion is pure. There's no other motive involved. That doesn't mean previously he was practicing mixed bhakti. You could practice shuddha bhakti and still have material desires, but mixed bhakti is something else. Mixed bhakti it concerns, it, it, it refers to the orientation. Hmm? I want bhakti mixed with gyan. I want bhakti mixed with karma. What will be the result of that? That's different than I want bhakti that's unalloyed, haituki, hmm? that has no, no karmic or uh, gyan um, influence, gyan shunya. It's a, you know, it ultimately, in one sense, he's saying, I want to uh, take it to its fullest extreme. It's braj bhakti. You don't even acknowledge that Krishna's God is. Uddhava has that in Dwarka. And, and, and he was sent to Vrindavan to learn about devotion from people who didn't have it, the knowledge, apparently, that Krishna was God. Hmm? But, they're, but, they're, but they had love of him. Hmm? That, that, that knowledge got in the way of. So this is the ideal. Hmm? And if, if you're fortunate to get good association to get that ideal, then... You're on the path of Uttam Bhakti. If that's not the case, then what's the point of giving this kind of analogy or example? Someone's on the path of Gyan and they're on the, uh, uh, the, the, the tenth story and you're the, the doorman. He, he's the executive, the corporate CEO, and you're in the building next door that's 108 stories and you're the door, the doorman. Hmm? How can you make an argument that the doorman's position is better than the man, uh, the CEO of the company next door? Because... If you stay with the company, you could move up the ladder from doorman to the CEO and be on 108th floor looking down at the 10th floor as if the guy is a doorman. Hmm? By comparison, such is the super excellence of, of bhakti. Hmm? So we have to look at the path uh, to, to judge um, uh, who's 
one's fortune, <laughs> where's the road going, right? Hmm? Um, so this becomes then this this is uh, what really uh, Krishna is trying to do in Bhagavad Gita. He's trying to give Arjun shraddha in Uttam Bhakti. Hmm? So he says, give up. He's telling Arjun, give up the worship of all the gods, Sarva Dharma and Prityaja. Hmm? And the word Prityaja also is explained to me, and the desire for liberation. Give up these. Hmm? These are not your goals anymore. Hmm? You have no concerns with them. You have concerns only with bhakti unto me. And don't think there will be anything less that will be attained by that. He's just trying to give him a conceptual orientation and awaken faith in him. Hmm? Um, when he has that faith, then he has no other obligation, and so on. And it, of course, it looks like he should have obligations to the gods, to the forefathers, and so on and so forth. But he's... He's, he's got a connection. It's not what you know, it's who you know, something like that. So uh, so his position is, is such. Krishna is basically saying, I'll cover for you. Hmm? You, can, uh, you can do things that others can't. You can forego the, the, the Shraddha ceremony, which is a different, I'm not, Shraddha doesn't mean faith, but it's the, 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 the worship of the ancestors for the deceased uh, and so forth. You could forego that and there'll be no you'll still be the best son hmm? <laughs> or daughter or whatever. Uh, something like that. Uh, these things are not re- required. It's not that they're somebody's pure immediately. Hmm? So there's, again, sadhana bhakti of the uttam variety. There's other types of bhakti, all kinds of types of bhakti, mixed with yoga, mixed with jnana, mixed with karma. Hmm? And then there's karma mixed with bhakti. Hmm? The opposite. There's bhakti mixed with karma, there's karma mixed with bhakti, jnana, yoga, same thing. There's six kinds right right there. Right? Hmm. Is that clear? Yeah. What else? Um, um, so, in, in Shastra it says that um, like one who has the, the human form of life can, can practice bhakti. So, Where does it say that? Uh, I don't know the first number, but it is the, 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 like the, the human form of life is the, is the ship. And the, the okay, in Bhagavatam. Okay, yeah. And, um, and while animals can be engaged in Swarupsa Bhakti, we don't hear that they can engage in, in Uttam Bhakti, like, like, you know, like on their own uh, mm-hmm. um, what's the word? initiative. Um, but um, we see at Narada Muni, uh, like, you, like you mentioned, engaging uh, Rigari, the hunter, uh, who is, uh, you know, rather animalistic, not, not like really human. Um, so that's one thing. If, if Narada Muni does that, like, like engages an, you know, an animal in, in human form, so to say, but can uh, can, a, can a human can I, from my side, although I am animalistic, can I, you know, take that as an example, like as a, as a uh, license to, uh, to practice bhakti, although I'm not fully human. Well, the example of, of the hunter is that he met Narada Muni, he met a sadhu, and the sadhu engaged him in bhakti. Now, one thing is that there are angas of uttam bhakti. So it's possible that animals can engage in angas of uttam bhakti, hmm? and they will get a good result from that. They will, what kind of result will they get? They'll get a bhakti result. They'll get samskar for bhakti. And sometimes there are examples that they got liberated. It, it's also possible. Hmm? The power of bhakti is such. So yes, animals aren't taking initiation and practicing, and that is the prerogative of humans. Um, but they can come in touch with Uttam Bhakti in the form of one of its angas, like the power, for example, of the holy name, and be able to take advantage of it in ways that uh, you couldn't take advantage of other 
um, spiritual uh, disciplines. So the generosity and the power of bhakti. Hmm? Um, the case of Narada Muni and the hunter, the hunter was, uh, okay, an uncivilized person, and Narada Muni engaged him in bhakti, and particularly in chanting. Hmm? So if a devotee engages you, you're not a hunter, you're a civilized person, uh, if he can do it, if you can... If, if if an animal can benefit from an anga of being engaged in it, if a, if a hunter can be engaged by a devotee who has expertise to engage him, then why not you or any other civilized human being? Um, is bhakti not for human beings or only for? Is, you're, you're kind of making this argument that bhakti is only for liberated liberated souls. Yeah, but, but then take it a step down. Say it is at least for human beings. Maybe not liberated, but at least human. Says who? Uh, as a, as a, you know, the human form of life is a special form of life that gives you the opportunity to take advantage of it more fully than an animal. I mean, that's obvious, but it doesn't mean that the animals can't don't take advantage of it. They do. We worship them here. We think they're better than us at it. Um, the cows and so forth. So, but anyway. Uh, I don't understand your point. What's what's your point? Uh, I've actually heard, heard uh, you say this. Yeah. That um, that uh, as much as since bhakti is for for humans, as much as we are animalistic, uh, uh, it may help us to you know, work on becoming humans to become more qualified to for hands-on practice. You said, like I guess we can still. Well, I think that the point there is that I've made at times is the point that we've already made in discussion thus far. That is that the extent to which one, let's say, um, is... um, influenced by sattva-guna rather than tama and rajaguna, they'll be better able to take advantage of the practices of bhakti. So different people... As I said, if bhakti falls on dry grass or on wet grass, it's going to take, it's going to burn in either case, but it's, it's not going to catch on as fast. So obviously, people come in different conditions and they, they, they touch bhakti and, and bhakti will have its effect. That's, that's uh, undeniable. But how the effect will show up will maybe be different in one than another relative to someone who may have been doing bhakti for previous lifetimes. Mm-hmm. And so they quickly take to it, and and so on. Others take 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 longer, and what speak of animals or plant life or, or something like that. Um, but um, um, we shouldn't make an argument that well, um, bhakti only bhakti gives bhakti. And bhakti is the is the most perfect remedial measure uh, for all the problems of material existence, and therefore today I broke my leg, so I should just chant Hare Krishna rather than go to the doctor. I mean that that doesn't that's not what we're we're teaching. You 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 you, you get your leg fixed by a doctor so that you can dance in the kirtan or something. <laughs> Like that, uh, so uh, we, we uh, and so with regard to mental stability, mental health, psychological health, and well-being, and so forth. I mean, this is kind of what sattva is about—to be in balance. We create a sattvic environment, or even a, really a nirguna, transcendental environment, but. Um, Let's look at let's look at the Varnashram. Okay, Varnashram is your moral life and uh, proper civilized religious human life. Um, we our path Uttam Bhakti transcends it, right? But the, our teachers have explained that what we do, what does carry over from Varnashram into our culture of Bhakti is. Hygiene, standards of hygiene, for example, that are 
that are, are recommended there, especially with regard to deity worship and so on and so forth. Hmm? So there's like some slight um, carryover, if, 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 if you will. Um, and in some cases, of course, it, they, even that doesn't apply, but, um, and there are examples. Um, um, but, uh, uh, yeah, it's not to say that, therefore, I just chant Hare Krishna and, and, uh, and I won't uh, um, avail myself of other um, methods to keep myself clean and, uh, and uh, um, healthy and, and so on and so forth. Um, and yeah, okay, the more one is human, the more one can take advantage of bhakti. Um, so, but bhakti should make you human. It made Mugrari human, right? And more. Hmm? But maybe we should look for that to be happening hmm? in our culture rather than dancing with Krishna and the gopis, expecting, uh, you know, there's other primary, preliminary results that should be uh, forthcoming in us. that help? What else? <laughs> I was thinking, so can we try it like, like Mergari, just be barbaric and enchant? <laughs> Um, no, you can't. Um, and that would be to regress, because you're not a barbaric person. <laughs> you're not a hunter who took pleasure in half-killing animals and so forth. So, uh, I mean, the, the story is just talking about the efficacy of bhakti, the power of bhakti to um, take a person of such a base... Um, occupation and a deplorable habits and 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 purify them. It's basically saying bhakti is independent. She can go anywhere and she has that power, mm-hmm. which is the point we've been making all along. Mm-hmm. What else? You mentioned Sankhya yoga. Sankhya. Yoga. Sankhya, yeah. Being, or Sankhya being the philosophy of the yoga. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. I just uh... well, Sankhya is an old, ancient uh, system of thought or philosophy in India, and it, it, the word Sankhya means like to count, enumerate, and so it uh, it uh, is an explanation of the nature of existence by way of counting all of the aspects of it and in the context of doing that the subtle and the gross manifestation of matter is explained it's a it's a it's a much more um inclusive understanding of matter than you find in modern science which tends to be uh, a physicalist in 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 nature and emph- emphasis hmm? that the physical is the real hmm? and the primary so-called primary qualities are are what reality is constituted of and secondary qualities or excuse me characteristic properties secondary properties primary properties secondary secondary properties are mental properties and they're somehow derived uh, which is a problem how they you know, to work that out, how that happens, if everything is only so-called primary qualities that are, are character- properties, such as weight and uh, and um, whatever, velocity and so forth. Yeah. Uh, uh, and so, um, in, in the Sankhya philosophy, uh, if you want a theory of everything, well, Sankhya philosophy includes mind, Intelligence, awareness from chitta, ego. None of these things are part of reality in the, in the, in the physicalist, naturalist perspective, which is the dominant scientific perspective, materialistic view. 
in the world. None of these things exist. Apples aren't red, skies aren't blue, and so forth. Um, uh, ultimately, to think that is called the naive, something like maybe naive re- re- reality or something, I think they use the term. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, it, it really has no place for a mind, what to speak of, a, of an atma, and, and, and for God. But the Sankhya description of matter includes these things. Hmm? Um, and 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 explains that su- the physical matter is an outgrowth of the subtle matter, and the physical things out there are more idealike than anything else. So it's an observer-driven reality. From the Sankhya perspective, the world is for the observer. And what the observer experiences when observing matter, that matter is this, is this kind of potentiality that responds to the observers. Hmm? And those are the things that we see and identify with. And so it's apparent like that in human life, there's a similar vehicle that we have that causes us to observe through the vehicle, the lens of our vehicle, matter in similar enough ways that we can agree this is a floor. Hmm? Yeah. This is a this is a, a a microphone, this is a stone. So so we, we, we see them similarly. Ants don't see it like that. Hmm? Uh, cats don't see it like that, right? So according to the, the vehicle you're in, then if we're all in a human vehicle, we're going to have a certain perspective that's fairly common, we're going to read matter, it's going to respond to us in the human condition in a particular way, and, and so it's a, anyway, it's a, it's a, it's a observer-driven reality. And just to give you an example, um, let's say someone is schizophrenic, okay, and they hallucinate, and while you and I are sitting here, we see you and I and the other guy, he sees fairies and elves, Hmm? What you have to understand about this um, is that the way in which he sees fairies and elves is as real as you see you and I. Hmm? And you could say, well, it's just going on in his mind. Well, so is your vision. You understand? <laughs> He's a different observer. His vehicle is different, hmm? although it's human. You know, it's maybe the brain's functioning in a different way, or something, or which is the filter, and so forth. So, so the point being that his reality, the reality, it's an example of how that you could you could draw upon to make your point by way of analogy, at least, that there's an observer-driven reality. Hmm? What he sees, he sees it as real as as, as you see it. Hmm? So. Um, uh, it's a much more inclusive um, worldview, and and it, 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 so it kind of posits that the idea that, that there are uh, qualities and subjectivity to matter in the subtle forms of matter. There is something called subtle matter, and this is really where it picks up. Bumir aponalovayo kam mano cha. Krishna says, earth, water, fire, everything. And these are not like ordinary, it means like there are earth atoms, there are liquid atoms, heat atoms, or something like that in a Sankhya perspective. And, and of course, the physical world is coming out of the gross world. You know, you have chitta, you have ahankar, um, uh, manas, buddhi, buddhi in touch with ahankar, mm, produces... Uh, some aspect, I forget, of the gross matter, booty in touch with manas, another aspect, aspects being like sense objects, senses, and so forth. So they got the 24 uh, elements. It's not like to be compared to, what's that table in chemistry? Periodic, you know. It's a different, whole different way of looking at the world that's, that, that's far more inclusive in terms of the theory of everything 
hmm? um, if you will, that uh, modern science, then modern science, which denies so many things as being not real, that are really what our, our lives are all about. So anyway, Sankhya. In the context of counting and accounting for all these different ingredients that make up matter, hmm? then the observer, the purusha, so that's prakriti, and then there's the purusha. And the purusha context prakriti, and that starts this prakriti and this uh, emanationism. Hmm? So from the prakriti in a, in, a, in a state of equilibrium, the touch of consciousness causes the the mahatattva to arise, which in a microcosmic sense within each of us is the chitta. Hmm? And then from, Maha, from the mahatattva comes the buddhi and uh, so forth, and hunkar, manas, and, and then the senses, the sense objects, and so forth. So it all emanates out. Hmm? At any rate, the purusha is separate from all of this, making the whole show go around. In yoga and in sankhya, the, the purusha is not as robust as the atma and Gaudiya Vaishnava. It's just a witness, a passive witness. But because of its nature, being consciousness, it, it has this power in its passivity to, excuse me, to move matter. Hmm? And so the object there is to separate the purusha from the prakriti. Hmm? So, so that said, as far as I know, Sankhi doesn't give any method to do it. I've just explained something to you. Well, okay, how do I separate the purusha? You, you can think about that these are the other elements. And, and so it's kind of like jnana-oriented. But here comes yoga, which is a method for re- releasing or realizing the difference between the purusha and the prakriti and, and how to get rid of the samskaras, where they come from, and so forth. And, and it's a whole system, hmm, yoga. So it's a, it's a system for realizing the purusha is separate from, so it, from prakriti. So it t- tends to be coupled with sankhya and almost seen as the method, the abhideya of the, of the to use a Gaudiya term, of the sambandha of sankhya. Hmm? The method, the way. Hmm? And um, so, so, so the adaptability of yoga. Hmm? It's, it's an adaptable it's a methodology, so it's a, more than a, more than a. Um, I want to say a, a worldview. I mean, it is a worldview, but it's it's the whole emphasis in the sutras compared to the, the emphasis in the Sankhya uh, text, is practice. Hmm. You understand? Yeah. And how does that play for a Gaudiya, in a Gaudiya perspective? Well, those are two different philosophies. Yoga is a philosophy, Sankhya is a philosophy, Karma Mimamsa is a philosophy, ancient philosophies of India, uh, Vaisheshika, Nyaya, hmm? Vedanta. So we are Vedantists, and we are the Gaudiya Vedantists. So uh, each of these schools has their own pramana, their own way of what, what constitutes evidence. They all accept the scripture to one extent or another. Hmm? So we accept the scripture in a, in a different way than they do. Hmm? Uh, the, the, the primary, for example, uh, pramana, evidence in yoga is experience. Hmm? So, pratyaksha. Anyway, so, the, so there's some overlap between these. Hmm? But they are distinct. So... We we know that there's prakriti. We 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 see it as the from the sankhya perspective. We know there's the atma, but our sense of the atma, based on the, the Vedanta scriptures, the Bhagavatam, is more robust. It's not just a passive entity. It has the capacity to be an agent of action, to have qualitative experiences, to be an apprehender, to be a person. It's much more developed sense of the of the of the purusha, the atma, and so when we have a method for realizing that, and and for the purusha, or to use the term the atma, to experience the full 
um, uh, it's full prospect. So you know, there are different there there are different schools. I mean, Sankhya hasn't prevailed as a school unto itself in the way that yoga has. Hmm? Um, Bhakti has done quite well over the ages and so forth. Uh, Vedanta has done quite well. Vedanta and yoga have done well compared to Vaisheshika, Karma, Mimamsa, these are old philosophies, Sankhya, hmm? yoga and Vedanta. There are also a lot of similarities there. Bhakti is a yoga, you can say, or it's, or it's not. It's, it's beyond yoga, as we said earlier. So these are, you know, just like today, there are different thoughts. There are dualists, there are non-dualists, there are materialists, there are in, also in ancient India you had the the, the, the Charvaks, the materialist, Hmm? Mm-hmm. Beg, borrow, steal, but get ghee and eat well, because tomorrow you'll be dead, and that's it. That's basically, you know, the idea. Hmm. <laughs> so there are, there are different schools of thought. In the Bhagavatam, you're going to find it's kind of appropriated the Sankhya, as far as the description of matter, adopted it. Hmm? And it's a good one because the self fits fits within that worldview of of, of of what's out there, if you will. It's a place for it. But what is the nature of the Atma? Then it's much more of a robust understanding. All right. So we stop there. Shishi Gaurnitananda ki jai. Gaur Bhakta Vrindaki jai. Gaur Premanandi.